Hey family, this is Joshua Jones. My wife, Lindsay, and I have the honor of being the lead followers of Way Family Church right here in Edmond, Oklahoma. Thank you for taking a minute to tune in. We pray the message gives you a different perspective about Jesus, His gospel, and what living life in His kingdom is all about. Take notes, listen intently, and be blessed. I want to share today out of um, Mark chapter 1. Um, if you got your Bibles, and then I woke up at about 5 o'clock. I should say my daughter woke me up. My wife's gone, so my son was sleeping with me last night, having a party in our bed and hanging out. And then uh, my little girl comes in there sometime this morning, probably about three-something, but I just never went back to sleep. But, so I went to her bedroom, and I um, laid on her little pull-out bed, and I was just reading from my phone. And I just really got overcome in a good way um, just from the Holy Spirit, just by reading the Gospels. And reading about Jesus, I read to it maybe maybe a chapter in, in Matthew two maybe, and then I skipped the Mark chapter one because I was trying to get somewhere, and I started reading from Mark one, and um, I made it maybe midway to chapter two, and my heart just got so overcome with just the gospel. Mark's gospel is unique um, to say the least, uh, because the way he writes about Jesus is. From the very start, like he gets busy and he writes like it's an action movie. I mean, Jesus just starts out doing miracles in Mark. He didn't spend time really talking a lot about genealogies, not at the very start. He starts just talking about Jesus just goes to work doing miracles. And so if you like an intense type reading, it's the shortest gospel, um, but it has a lot of miracles in the gospel. It has a lot of the doings and the deeds of Jesus. Right, So the Gospel of Mark really is a treasure, and I want to share some from it. I mean, I thought about reading like a whole chapter to you, um, but because we're America, we actually get bored hearing the Bible read. You hear that? That's why people go to churches that say, we have a, yeah, a really good preacher. No, no, we're being entertained, and we don't even know it. And so we've turned early church fathers said there used to be a time when they built these buildings for God. Now we build them for people. And I, I pray that we never get to a place where we're entertainment-based people. My food don't have to entertain me for me to eat it. I know it's health to me. I know it's health to me. And I, anyway, I'm just going to read some to you today, but I'm still amazed by Jesus. I'm still amazed by Jesus. I'm going to start at Mark 1.14. I'm going to read a while, probably up to chapter 2. I don't know where we'll go. We'll just see. You ready? Mark 1.14. This is Jesus coming from the wilderness temptations. It says this. Mark 1.14. After John was put into prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. Everybody say gospel. It means good news. Come on, say gospel. Means good news. And he was saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And as he walked by the sea of Galilee, Jesus saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. In other words, follow me, 
And I'm going to show you how to catch men from this point on. I'm thinking, man, maybe I should actually read this from the passage to you, from the message, trans- I'm sorry, the passion translation to you. Yeah, let me do that. Verse 16, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Lake Galilee, he noticed two brothers fishing, Simon and Andrew. He watched them as they were casting their net into the sea. And he said to them, come and follow me. And I will transform you into men who catch people instead of fish. And immediately they dropped their nets and they left everything behind to follow Jesus. Walking a little farther, Jesus found two other brothers sitting in a boat along with their father, mending their nets. Their names were Jacob and John and their father Zebedee. Jesus immediately walked up to them and invited the two brothers to become his followers. At once, Jacob and John dropped their nets, stood up, left their father in the boat with the hired men, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus and his disciples went to Capernaum and he immediately started teaching on the Sabbath day in the synagogue. The people were awestruck and overwhelmed by his teaching because he taught in a way that demonstrated God's authority, which was quite unlike the religious scholars. And suddenly the meeting, during the meeting, a demon possessed man screamed out, hey, leave us alone. Jesus the victorious, I know who you are. You're God's holy one, and you've come to destroy us. Jesus rebuked him, saying, silence, you are bound. Now come out of him. And this man's body shook violently in spasms, and the demon hurled him to the floor until it finally came out of him with a deafening shriek. And the crowd was awestruck, and they were unable to stop saying among themselves, What is this new teaching that comes from such authority? For with merely a word, he commands demons to come out and they obey him. In other words, they were used to seeing their religious leaders going there swinging smoke and doing all this stuff trying to get out demons. But Jesus with a word drove out demons. So the reports about Jesus spread like wildfire throughout every community in the region of Galilee. And now as they left the meeting, they went straight to Simon and Andrew's house along with Jacob and John. Been there, by the way. Simon's mother-in-law was bedridden. She was sick with a high fever. So the first thing they did was tell Jesus about her. He walked up to her bed and gently took her hand and he raised her up. Her fever disappeared and she began to serve them. Later in the day, just after the Sabbath ended at sunset, The people kept bringing to Jesus all who were sick and tormented by demons until the whole village was crowded around the house. And Jesus cured many who were sick with various diseases, and he cast out many demons. But he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew who he really was. You would have thought if Jesus wanted everybody to know him, man, if you're going to let somebody preach him, let the demons do it, Jesus. No, no, he didn't let them talk. The next morning, Jesus got up long before daylight. (laughs) And he left the house while it was still dark. He made his way to a secluded place to give of himself to prayer. And later, Simon and his friends searched for him. And I got that underlined in my Bible. They searched for Jesus. And when they finally tracked him down, they told him, everybody's looking for you. They want you. Let me read this in the New King James. 
Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And when they found him, they said to him, everybody is looking for you. Everybody is looking for you. Everybody's looking for you. Jesus replied, we have to go on to surrounding villages so that I can give my message to the people there. That's my mission. So he went throughout the region of Galilee, preaching in the Jewish synagogues and casting out demons. On one occasion, a leper came and threw himself down in front of Jesus, pleading for his healing, saying, you have the power to heal me right now if you really want to. And being deeply moved with tender compassion, Jesus reached out his hand. Uh-uh, don't do that, Jesus. You're about to break the law. Don't do that. He reached out his hand. And he touched the skin of a leper. And he told him, of course, I want you to be healed. So now be cleansed. That's a pitiful translation, actually. If you actually look up the word touch, if you actually look up the word touch in the blue letter Bible translation, it literally says, this is, this is in the Greek, it literally means he clung to the leper. He grabbed him. He embraced him. He said, come here. And he clung to him. And he said, are you kidding me? You're asking me if I actually want you to be healed? Are you kidding me? You never have to question my willingness. And he embraced a leper. He didn't just touch him. He embraced him and said, I am willing that you be cleansed. And instantly, his leprous sores completely disappeared. And his skin became smooth. And Jesus sent him away with a stern warning saying, Do not say anything to anybody about what just happened. But go and find a priest and show him that you've been healed and bring the offering that Moses commanded you for your cleansing as a living testimony to everyone. If you're going to disobey Jesus, here's a good place to do it. But no sooner did the man leave than he began to proclaim his healing publicly. And he spread the story everywhere of his healing. And Jesus' growing fame prevented him, meaning Jesus, Jesus' own fame, stopped him from entering villages openly anymore, which forced him to remain in isolated places. Even so, in the isolated place, a steady stream of people flocked to hear him from everywhere. Gee, man, I'm throw this Bible one day for real. Jesus. Several days later, there are no chapter and verses in the original writing of Scripture. Several days later, Jesus returned back to Capernaum. It's beautiful there. Literally, right? I mean, outside of his front door is, a, is, a, is the beach. Several days later, Jesus returned to Capernaum, and the news quickly spread that he was back in town. Soon, there were so many people crowded inside the house. The first time we just read, they were packed outside of Peter's house. Now, I mean, inside of Peter's house. Now, they're just outside. They're inside. They come to hear him. So much so that there's no more room, even on the outside of the door. And while Jesus was preaching the word of God to them, I think New King James says, while he's preaching the word to them. Watch this. He is the living word, logos. What is he talking about? Himself. He's preaching himself to them. Word is giving them word. While he's preaching the word of God, four men arrived carrying a paralytic man. But when they realized that they couldn't get near him because of the crowd, they went up on top of the house, tore away the roof above Jesus' head. And when they had broken through, you need a breakthrough? There you go. When they had broken through, they lowered the paralyzed man on a stretcher right down in front of Jesus. And when Jesus saw the extent of their faith, 
He says to the paralyzed man, I'm still trying to find the, 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 the sinner's prayer in here. I can't, I can't find it nowhere for some reason. I can't find where it says, if you say this prayer, you're going to be saved. But anyway, I, I'm still trying to find where it says, if you say this prayer, I'll forgive you. But it's not in there. Don't even look for it. When Jesus saw the extent of their faith, he says to the paralyzed man, my son. See, Jesus said, the words you hear me speak, they're not my words. They're actually the Father's words in me. He actually says, the, the works you see me do, they're not even mine. They're really the Father's works. And watch how the Father, through the Son of God, speaks to his Son on that bed. He says, my son, this, this actually, whoever this man was, he would have almost been disowned by his own family. And I promise you, the last thing he felt like was a son. He probably heard, and had his, heard his dad say those words in years. But here, you hear Papa speaking through the Son of God. And he says to this man, he says, my son, your sins are now forgiven. And this offended some of the religious scholars who were present. And they reasoned among themselves. And who does this man think he is? Why is he speaking this way? This is blasphemy. For sure, only God himself can forgive sins. You're right. You are 100% right. But that man that you see before you is not just a Nazarene. He is God. And Jesus supernaturally perceived their thoughts and he said to the man, why are you being so skeptical? Which do you think it's easier to say to this paralyzed man? Is it easy for me to say your sins are now forgiven? Because I could say that to him. Anybody could have spoken those words, but that don't mean anything would have happened and you couldn't have tell if he was forgiven or not. Which Jesus did say, your sins are forgiven you. But is it easy for me to say your sins are forgiven you or is it easier for me to say stand up and walk? The truth is in American Christendom, it's a lot easier to say your sins are forgiven you than it is to say stand up and walk. But in the kingdom of God, God doesn't see it any more difficult to tell somebody your sins are forgiven. That is no more difficult to him than it is to raise the dead. Watch, watch Jesus, though. Watch him. Watch what, watch what Logos is doing right here. Now, watch this. But to convince you that the Son of Man has been given authority on earth to forgive sins, proof that what I just said is going to happen, meaning that sins are going to be forgiven, and proof that I really am the Son of Man, and proof that I have been given authority to do this, not only am I going to say your sins are forgiven you, but I'm also going to say to you, stand up. Pick up your stretcher and walk home. And immediately the man sprang to his feet in front of everybody and left for home. And the crowds witnessed a miracle and they were awestruck. And they shouted praise to God and they said, we ain't never seen anything like this before. I tell you, I read those words this morning and man, my heart just melted again. And laying on a twin mattress in my baby girl's room. I said, Jesus, I want to know you better. I said, I want to know you better. I had covers poured over my head. And I had my phone right here on my chest. So I said, I want to know you better. I want to know you better. You hear it all the time here. You don't even know you're hearing the gospel. I... I, 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 I honest to goodness, I do my best to paint a portrait of you, of the Christ, because I know to the same degree that you see Jesus clearly, 
to that same degree you see the Father clearly. If you have a murky image of Jesus, it's a sure sign you have a murky image of the Father. Because Jesus said, if you see me, you see who? So if you see me blurry, then how do you see the Father? Blurry. See? So it is vital. It should be a necessity to us to see Jesus clearly. When you read the scriptures and you're reading something Jesus did or something Jesus was saying, I want you to see God saying it because he was God, but I also, I also want you to see the perfect human doing it because Jesus is the perfect human being. He's the one that taught us what it was like to be human. And in Jesus was married, watch this, heaven and earth. <laughs> Colossians says of Jesus that in Christ dwelt the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Did you hear that? That in Christ Jesus dwelt or tabernacled the fullness of the Godhead bodily. What does that mean? That means that in Jesus was all of God the Father. In Jesus was all of God the Son, Jason. And in Jesus was all of the Holy Spirit in a human body. That is crazy. So it is no mystery to me how Jesus could go to a town... And instantly, he became more important than what was at the movies. He became, you know, more important than what was on the baseball park or the athletic field. He became more important than what was happening in any synagogue of his day because this was God in flesh. And Jesus did bring a message. It is on our wall when you walk in our church. Part of our mission statement, the, 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 the climactic clause of our mission statement of this church is this is that we exist to share and show the good news, that's gospel, of Jesus Christ every day to everyone. Did you know that you're part of a church that values sharing the good news of Jesus Christ every day to everyone? There are people, even in this city, they go to church every week trying to get a breakthrough, but yet they never hear good news. But they have a good organ player. And they have pretty good tithing. But they have no good news. But Jesus, the title that Jesus most commonly referred to himself as, he took it from Daniel, he said, I'm the son of man. I'm the son of man. And the son of man, anointed by the Spirit of God, in a Jordan River, went around doing things that only God could do. And one of the greatest miracles, a couple of them are right here in this chapter. When I get to heaven, I got to watch it on DVD because I know they got it in, in 4K. It's going to be amazing. I want to see how he walked up to this leprous man, breaking laws in, 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 the, in the process. And I want to watch how he attached himself to him because Jesus knew what I'm carrying and who I'm carrying and who I am and what's on me. I'm not worried about what's on you. See, under an old covenant, under old covenant, if you touched a leper, 
then the cleansed person got defiled by the unclean person. Under an old covenant, if the sick got around the unsick, then the unsick got impacted by what the sick person carried. If the defiled got around the undefiled, then the undefiled became defiled by the defiled person because that's just old covenant reality. But yet Jesus, being the son of man, who was the son of God, even under a old covenant, did something nobody had never done. Jesus, under a old covenant, gave people forgiveness without them saying a prayer, and that's under an old covenant. You didn't even have to wait to the new covenant to get forgiven because Jesus forgave a lot of people under the old covenant. Without any animal sacrifice, even, watch this, even before he went to the cross, forgiveness was still a reality. Do you hear what I'm telling you? Healing was possible even before the cross because Jesus was the embodiment of everything that he was doing. He carried it. He was it. He said, the kingdom's at hand, man. He gave invitation to men to leave what they were doing, and they left everything, and they followed him. And he showed them what it was like to have compassion on people because they were not used to religious leaders having compassion on people. They were used to religious leaders taking the scripture of their day and weaponizing it and separating people from God, but not Jesus. Jesus Welcome to everybody. That's why you got to be careful about what you read. You have to be careful about how you read. You can read something even in the New Testament. If what you're reading in the New Testament doesn't look like something the man Jesus would have done, then don't do it. Because Jesus is the final word of God. So Jesus was trying to train. Everybody had disciples in Jesus' day. It was common for rabbis to have disciples. He was a rabbi. He was trying to teach them the way God actually sees people is different than the way you've been taught. And so here he goes now. Dealing with lepers. Watch how I'll deal with them. Dealing with prostitutes. Watch how I deal with them. How would, Jesus, how would God treat the homeless? Simple. How, did, how would Jesus have treated them? How would Jesus have treated them? I'm telling you, man, I laid in my bed and I'm like, Jesus, I, I just want to know you more. I mean, I, like, I legitimately like, I want to know you more. I can see myself failing in a lot of areas in my love life with you. I want to tell you something. I don't care if you give your church $100,000 a year. It, I don't care if you stand on street corners and hold signs about the goodness of God. If our faith doesn't make us love people. Like legitimately. You know what it boils down to? Paul said the end of the commandment is love. 1 Corinthians 13, he wrote to Corinth, who were operating pretty effectually in nine gifts. He said, that doesn't matter. He said, I don't care if you have the tongue to speak the native language of angels. I don't care if you have the ability of so much faith that you can speak to mountains and they know your voice. 
And when you speak mountains move, he said, I don't even care if you say you're so religious that you give your body to be burned. All of those things are things that men stand and look at and go, wow, that's amazing. He said, but none of those moves Abba's heart. The thing that moves Abba's heart is that you walk in love, watch this, toward one another. And I'm telling you the epitome of what Jesus did that shows us he was the man he said he was is that he walked in love toward people. And Jesus loved people that were nothing like him. But the main thing I want to get you to see is that people that were nothing like Jesus loved Jesus. They loved him. He would go on to tell the disciples, by this, men will know you're my disciples if you have worship services. No, by this, men will know you're my disciples. If you fill buildings on the Sabbath and do religious services, no. By this, men will know you're my disciples. If you get religious tattoos on your body, no. By this, men will know you're my disciples. If you get on TBN, no. By this, men will know you're my disciples. If you have a lot of followers on Instagram, no. By this, men will know you're my disciples. If you memorize scripture, no. He says, by this. By this, men will know that you are my pupils if you have love one for one, for, for one another. Well, what kind of love? He would go on to say this. The way that I have loved you, love you one another. That's the standard. I, I, I don't have the privilege to love you the way I desire to love you. The commandment is the way Jesus loved you. And me, that's how I'm supposed to love you. So he's touching lepers. He's holding kids. He lets women in his midst. He lets prostitutes pour oil on his feet. He's common storms, waves, seas. He's multiplying fish and bread. Nobody's like Jesus. What's so amazing about him? He was God in the flesh. So much so, I'm telling you, when people heard where he was, they would pack out sidewalks to hear the gospel from him. He said, I'm going to prove to you I am that, that I, I'm going to prove to you that I am who I say I am because I'm fixing to forgive this man's sins. He says, your sins, bro, your sins are forgiven you. And everybody's like, can't do that. Only God can do that. That's blasphemy. This guy's blasphemy. And Jesus supernaturally perceived their thoughts. He says, let me ask you a question. By the way, you don't ever want Jesus to say that to you. You don't want him to say, let me tell you something. Come here, bro. Let me tell you something. Come on, let me tell you something. He said, would it be easier for me to say your sins are forgiven you? Or would it be easy for me to say, rise, take up your bed and walk? And you know what? They didn't answer that question. (laughs) Because the truth is, they couldn't do neither of them. But he says, so that you might know that I, the son of man, have authority on the earth from Abba to forgive sins. But not only that, I'm going to show you something. Because not only... Am I telling him his sins are forgiven? Watch what I'm fixing to do. And he looks at a man who was not just bedridden from sin or from, from, from just being paralyzed. He was also ridden with sin. 
I'm going to give him something. He didn't ask. One, the man never asked to walk. And two, he never asked for forgiveness. I'm going to give him two things he didn't ask for. One, I want you to know your sins are forgiven you. But two, you ready for this? Get up and walk. Now, you got to understand. See, we, we, we are two churches in America. He's standing in a, in a room. Well, I mean, a house that wouldn't be much bigger than the stage. And they have pulled the roof back. Lord, a man down. People are all on the outside. People are all on the inside. You got four guys that are probably looking over the roof like, man, this has to work. Like, this has to work. And, and, and you got a guy who can't even do anything. And Jesus just says, get up and walk. The bones that were created from a spoken word, Psalms 139 says this. He says, you formed me. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Those bones that were knitted together in their mother's womb are now hearing the voice of the one that knitted them together. And bones that had grown the wrong way. Flesh that wasn't functioning properly heard the voice of the one that created it. And stuff began to get put right that for all his life had been put wrong. And him without being able to control anything, his body just begins to move. And you can just see his legs that would have been withered beginning to be straightened out. I mean, I'm assuming there would have probably been some popping happening. I'm assuming that you could physically with your ears, you could hear the miracle that was taking place in their midst. And I bet you there wasn't a sound from nobody, just a holy awe just going. And the only person in that room that wasn't surprised that day was the great physician. He's watching like, what did you think was going to happen? I can hear Numbers 23 and 19 where God spoke to Israel. He said, I'm not a man that I should lie, nor am I the son of a man that I should ever repent. Have I ever spoken a word and it not happened? Have I ever uttered anything and it not came to pass? And so, yeah, when I tell you to get up and walk, you best believe your body hears me. Get up and walk. And proof, listen to this. Come on, Taylor, come to the keys. Proof that this man had actually been forgiven. Proof that he had actually been forgiven. Watch this. Is that Jesus just gave him a walk that he never had before. I don't want proof of my forgiveness to tell you to simply be, yes, now I go to church. Man, no. Proof that I've been forgiven is that I have a walk. I didn't have this before, man. You know, proof that the gospel's true. You used to do crack, but you don't do crack anymore. I used to talk to my spouse this way. I don't do that anymore. I've been forgiven. My walk has changed. We overcomplicate the gospel. Jesus is beautiful. He's beautiful. He's the greatest man in history. He had no servants, yet they called him master. He actually served those that were with him. He had no degrees, yet they called him a master teacher. He had no medicines, yet they called him the healer. This was Jesus. He had no army, yet kings feared him. He set all of Rome on their tippy toes. He won no military battles, yet he's known as conquering the world. He committed no crimes, yet they would crucify him amongst sinful men. It's an outrageous claim for mere mortals 
to claim greatness. Because really, who of us can really say that we really are great? But I want to take a few moments and tell you about the most interesting man who ever lived. I love looking on YouTube. If you just put in YouTube the most interesting man commercials and you get that one guy who's known as being the most interesting man. You know the guy I'm talking about? It's always funny. But there really is a person who's really interesting. And I want to talk to you about him for just a couple of minutes. Not only is Jesus the most interesting man on the earth, he's the most interesting man in heaven. Yeshua is his name. His father's name, you could call him Yahweh. Jesus called him Papa, Dad. Jesus is just like his father. So much so that actually when his father sent him to the earth to demonstrate who he was, he wanted us to know that what you see my son doing, they're actually characteristics of me. Jesus said, if you seen me, you'd actually saw my father. What did Jesus reveal to humans about God's nature. I can promise you this. It's more than a book can relate to you. It's more than a book can say. More than my sermon today. Even the gospel writers found a problem in their writing. One of Jesus' closest followers declared, he said, I suppose that all the books in the world, John chapter 21 verse 25, he said, I suppose that all the books in the world couldn't contain all the miracles that he did. Words certainly can't describe Christ because they're inadequate. How can I tell you about all of his attributes? How can I tell you in a message about all of his abilities? I could spend the, the, the next 38 years of my life talking about his intellect and his accomplishments, and my words would fail. He was and he is breathtaking yet calming, all-powerful yet gentle, unsearchably wise yet he's humble. He's all-inspiring while completely approachable. Perfection defines him. Intrigue surrounds him. Eternity is in him. He is boundless in his love. He's everlasting in his joy. He's known as the Prince of Peace. You see, oxymorons are necessary to describe him since he is the God-man. Listen. I said oxymorons are necessary to describe him since he is the God-man. He's human and divine. He's incredibly the ancient of days. He will forever be, is, he is God. He is God. I said, he is God. What do you say about a man like this? Does does he move your heart yet? He's the ancient of days yet he's forever new. He exists in the perpetual now. His nature contradicts every natural law of time, space, and physics. He's the paradoxes of all paradoxes. And yet in him, there's no duplicity nor inconsistency. When a famous leader named Moses asked, what is your name and who do I say sent me? He simply replied, I am. For whatever you need me to be, I am will forever be enough. I'm telling you, words fail to describe him. Young people and old, male and female, rich and poor, moral as well as immoral, they all found Jesus interesting. 
He was so magnetic and gentle in his personality that children loved him and trusted him. He was so genuine and caring at heart that the immoral women confessed to him their sordid and painful past. On one occasion, a shameful prostitute found deliverance and cleansing and self-worth and destiny as she bathed his feet with her tears. He was so overpowering in his masculinity and multifacetedness in his gifting that both the intellectual businessman and the coarse and tough fishermen left their careers at his simple invitation to come and follow me. Grown men fell before Jesus in worship. An anointing oil worth thousands of dollars was poured upon his feet. A multitude of men, women, and children said yes to him. And they were set for days at a time listening to the rabbi teach about his kingdom. Families loved having him in their homes. Men liked hiking over mountains with him. Scholars enjoyed picking his brain even when he was a boy. He was only 12 years old, but yet they found value in his words. Many more books have been written concerning this one man than any other person person on the face of the globe. You could sit for hours and sing songs about him and they would pale in comparison to the actual beauty of who he is. Poets cannot take their pens and pin down his majesty. I mean, this is Jesus. Come on, this is nothing more than a meager list that I've compiled for you today, but listen to this. A fish brought him a mouthful of money. This is Jesus. Storms, wind, waves obeyed the Lord's commands. This is Jesus. His spit healed blinded eyes and his touch cured leprosy. This is Jesus. He walked on water to find natural law and also when necessary, he walked through walls. This is Jesus. He turned water into wine and multiplied thousands, fed thousands with a few fish and loaves of bread. This is Jesus. He spoke in his words, gave life to the dead. This is Jesus. Insanity fled from the demoniac in the Gadarene. This is Jesus. Demons fled from him as well. This is Jesus. The psalmist said a fire goes before him and consumes his enemies. This is Jesus. When he died, the sun refused to shine and the earth shook and quaked at his majesty. This is Jesus. Death, however, could not hold him. His resurrection was so powerful that it spilled over onto other dead people, raising them from the dead. His eyes, the scripture says, are like fire. His voice is like a waterfall. Angels worship him. Rulers cast their crowns at his feet. He created everything, and that's just with his words. He keeps the universe operating in perfect order, and that's just with his words. This is Jesus. Are you not awed by the God man? Are you not awed by the God-man? Are you not awed by the God-man? Man, I woke up this, I'm telling you, when I felt that little nudge in my heart, can I tell you what I really said? In my own, it was almost like I really said, God, I just want to go back to sleep. And I just thought, no, are you kidding me? I've been invited. I've been invited God is actually inviting me to let him walk in my heart, which is his modern-day Eden. And I'm talking about I want to go back to sleep. What was that song I told you I sang this morning, Taylor? Do you remember? I will never let you go. Come on, stand to your feet. Take 
telling you, you better get ready for your heart to be overcome by him. I'm telling you, he he doesn't just conquer nations. He conquers hearts. You know what? You know what the Shunammite said of his beauty in Song of Solomon? She said, with your gaze, you ravish me. I'm telling you, just looking at Jesus, it changes you, man. It changes you, man. It changes you, man. It changes you, man. Jesus wasn't put off by sin. Jesus wasn't put off by lack. Nobody's lifestyle made Jesus say, ooh. He wasn't put off by demons and darkness. He was proof that nothing could separate you from the love of God because he was the embodiment of the love of God and he didn't let anybody that wanted to get close to him, he never said, you can't get close to me. The love of God proved it by embracing tax collectors and, and lepers and prostitutes. That's what the love of God did. I want to say this in here. If you've ever felt separated from God because of something you heard, I want you to know something. You know what Jesus is proof? That you're not separated from me. In your mind you are. But I've embraced you already. And I want you to see me for who I really am. I want to do this today. If you're in this room, man, and you don't have a living relationship with Jesus. You don't know what it means to commune with him on a regular basis. I would love to introduce you to my best friend. He's quite amazing. He's quite amazing. He wants to engulf everything that you feel like is engulfing you. He wants to bring you close to him so you can know, I'm with you. You just didn't know it yet. If you're in this room right now and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, but you'd love to start one afresh today, or maybe, you know what, it's been really, really tattered and you've actually felt distant from him. 
I just want to do this. I want to count to three, but if that's you, you can just say, hey, Pastor Josh, man, man, that's me. I need that. You ready? One, two, three. Anybody at all? God sees that hand, bro. Anybody else? Anybody else? Come on, can we as a family just do this? Because I feel led to do this. Can we do this as a family? Can you just repeat after me? Can you say, Lord Jesus, I desire to see you. I really desire to know you. And by your grace, I know I can. Your spirit's in me. Your grace is lavished on me. Show me this in a real way. I want to walk in confidence in your love toward me and your ability to keep me. And I say yes to that. Thank you for your gospel. Thank you for your forgiveness. And I just receive it today. In Jesus' name. before you for you and I I'm lost without you without you and I and I I just pray that this week that we would walk in the abiding presence of your Holy Spirit and that we would behold the Lamb, man. We would walk in the confidence that you really are Emmanuel. You are God with us, even when it seems like I'm not with you. And that you remain faithful, even when it looks like I'm being faithless. I thank you for the forgiveness of sins. I thank you for the reconciliation back to you, Father. We love you today. I bless these people. I bless my family today. I thank you for every life under the sound of my voice. I send them out of this place today filled with the confidence that you are with them. And I give you thanks for that. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Have an amazing day. Thank you for taking a moment to listen in to what Jesus is doing right here at Way Family Church in Edmond, Oklahoma. If you want to be a part of helping us to continue to share the gospel and get it out to as many people as we can, you can do that via Cash App at dollar sign Way Family Church or 
you can visit our website at wayfamilychurch.com and click on the giving tab. For more information about Way Family Church, you can connect with us on all social media platforms or simply go to wayfamilychurch.com. Be blessed.